It's always a treat for Chris to leave. <laughs> he doesn't do it enough. Uh, <laughs> no, thank you, thank you, thank you. Guys, thank you all very much. Greetings. If you're a student, you're dismissed. Almost forgot to say that. I think, uh, they, I think they knew what to do. Yeah, I think they knew. Yeah, yeah. Welcome. Happy Mother's Day. I'm glad that y'all could be with us today. Before I forget it and so I don't get in trouble, let me make a couple of announcements real quickly. Next Sunday morning, if you come here for church, you'll get nervous and think you missed the rapture because we won't be here, all right? We're going to be at Kim and Jerry Bowden's house and gather around their uh, swimming pool in the backyard and we're going to have church and then we're going to have a baptismal service and then we're going to have lunch. And so it'll be a fun day and I hope that you will make plans to join us. I think you'll really, really enjoy it. Um, if you don't know where Kim and Jerry live, uh, you can go on our website and you can find the address there or you can text me or ask anybody that, you know, around you. They'll, they'll be able to help you find out which is not very far from here at all. So please come and join us. I think it'll be a great day. I said that we will have a baptismal service. Um, you know, we started the service off singing that song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And uh, I've sung that song, you know, hundreds of times in the last 40 years. And every time I sing it, my mind goes back to when I was baptized. When I was 18 years old, I was a senior in high school. And I did not grow up in a church tradition that emphasized or promoted uh, uh, baptism by immersion. And so that was a very new, interesting thing for me. I, I didn't really know what to think about that. But what I did know, just because of the man that led me to the Lord, he told me to go to the Bible and just read the Bible. And if you'll read the Bible, you'll find the answers that you're looking for. And I started reading the New Testament. Started in the book of Matthew and I just kept reading through Got to the book of Acts, and what I noticed is that every person in the book of Acts that accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, they went down into the water and they were baptized. They went down and were buried with Christ, and they came up a new person. Yes, new in that they were wet on the outside, but declaring that they were new on the inside because of what Jesus did for them on the cross. Um, so... If you've accepted Christ as your Savior, He is the one that belongs to you, and you are the one that belongs to Him. And you've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism. I encourage you to think about doing that this week. I would love for you to come Sunday and be baptized. It's, there's nothing in my life that is more precious to me than that Sunday night uh, at that little church down in Whitehaven uh, where I've went into those waters, and uh, just declared to everybody there, I belong to Jesus, and He belongs to me. And I encourage you to, to do that. You can call me or text me, and I'll, I can, we can talk about that if you have questions or, or want to discuss it. And I hope you'll think about doing that. No kidding. Um, so I've done that. Mother, oh, I said my, happy Mother's Day. Um, Kim and Jerry is the baptism. Okay, I think I got everything I'm supposed to do. All right, good. <laughs> Lordy, <laughs> got all this stuff.
Hello. How are you? I'm, I'm just happy as heck to be here. That's good. Uh, you want to read for us Psalm 32, verses 8, 9, and 10, please? I did as not we get know we were going to open that one. Yeah, so might as well. Good. That's good. God forbid we'd start with the Bible. How about, yeah. Okay, then. Psalm 32, verses 8, 9, and 10. <clears throat> the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Oh, I can just think of so many times in, in my life and people that I'm thinking of right this minute that that verse is particularly for. Yes. I'm going to read it again. I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. Do not be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. Mm. Many sorrows come to the wicked. But unfailing love surrounds those who trust the Lord. Thank you. You're welcome. You're a good reader. It is my job. Um, last week, we talked about the idea of being rash, making decisions in a hurry, and what the Bible says about doing that, or, or more importantly, what the Bible says about not doing that. One of the people in the Bible that would, would be a, a, a billboard example of being rash and impatient and rushing into things would be Samson. And through my study of um, just last week, I, I just became very intrigued with this person, Samson, and uh, who he was and how he operated and, and what made him do the things that he does. And um, one of the things that I was struck with was um, uh, Samson's life was filled with qualities that most of us would want our children to possess. He was an amazing person filled with incredible attributes and skills and qualities that we would admire uh, very much. That, that you as a mom or dad are working to instill in your children. I find that very intriguing. Uh, let me just give you an example. If you... I've studied this week the, the four chapters in Judges 13, 14, 15, and 16 of the life of Samson. I've studied it many, many, many hours. 30 hours for sure. And uh, these qualities, these admirable qualities just jump out. Uh, let me give you a few. Um, he was very independent. He was successful. He was strong. He was confident. He was a winner. He was fearless. Now, don't you, don't you want your kids to have these qualities? Sure you do. He would not let anybody push him around. He kept his word. Once he told you something, he did it. He, achieved, he set goals and achieved his goals. He was not a quitter. He was not a crowd follower. 
He was true to himself. And as Elvis Presley so aptly put it, he did it his way. Right? And I mean, the overwhelming majority of those qualities, you, you would like for your child to grow up and embrace and live out those qualities. Like his forefather, Adam, he was given unlimited blessing, unlimited opportunity, unlimited resources in a world where physical strength was king. God gave him everything. Unlimited, just like Adam. Here's, what, what do you want? What do you need? I'll give you, an, I've got an ocean of opportunity and resources just for you, just like Adam. And just like Adam, Samson looked at everything God offered him and said, no thanks. I know better. I got this. You're not going to be the boss of me. Samson and Adam had a lot in common. And because that was Samson's response, like Adam's, Samson ended his life enslaved, broken, blind, in pain, shamed, with nothing and with no one. We want those qualities for our kids that I mentioned earlier. And I'm not saying that that's bad. But there's got to be more to it. Because nobody would want their child's life to end the way Samson's ended. With nothing and nobody. The, the strongest man on the planet given by God the charge, the, the call to rule is living the life of a donkey. Turning a, a grist mill. You read those four chapters? I did. What, what stood out to you about Samson? Well, you said them all already. Oh, well. No, I'm kidding. Good, I wanted credit. Oh. Mm -hmm. um, a lack of humility, okay. for one thing. Okay. Um, you know, it, I think I've, I, I have no real empathy for this because it's not in any way my experience, but to be the strongest one in the room, uh, it would be hard to be humble. <laughs> yeah. No excuse for lack but of you, humility. Okay, but, 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 uh, but you can identify because you are the strongest one in the room most of the time. Maybe not in lifting up a, I don't know, the stage over your head, but there are different kinds of strength. And when you possess a lot of strength, it's a 24-hour, it's a seven-day-a-week job to not let that 
uh, cancel out your humility. He seemed, right? he seemed to me to be, he seems to me, to be impulsive. <clears throat> he was, he was very rash. You know, just mm -hmm. uh, to your point, you know, mm -hmm. um, killing a thousand people here, killing three thousand people there. Um, he, he, one thing, he got too close. He allowed himself to get too close to the fire. That whole Delilah business, you know? Yeah, and I want you to hold on to that. Okay. Because I, I want you to speak to that. Okay. My wife is a... You have a lot of good thoughts about getting too close. Okay. Yeah. I, I'll let you bring that up in a, in a few minutes if okay. you don't mind. Okay. Look Anything else? It. Anything else? Mm. It's just a sad story to see someone so gifted, clearly gifted by God, which everyone is, but <clears throat> this one was chosen especially, and then just with all these outward gifts <clears throat> and his, his impulsivity and anger uh, and self-love. Um, you know, at the end he said, just let me be killed with everybody else. Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, it's, a, it's hard to watch the fall of a person. Yes, sir. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to take the time today to go through the life of Samson. Most of you uh, know enough about the story for this to make sense to you. Uh, but as I studied the life of Samson this week, there were three things that jumped out at me as far as lessons for my own life. And to be quite honest with you, I see uh, myself in the life of Samson way more than I wish. Uh, it was a very humbling week for me to study the life of this person and to see how much like him I am. Um, but let, let, just for the sake of time, let's, let's look at these three things real quickly. First one, first thing that jumped out at me was that you can't read the life of Samson and not quickly and strongly recognize that God had a very specific plan for Samson's life. Whether you want to call that a purpose, a call, a plan... You can pick the words you like. But God created Samson with purpose in mind. He wasn't just a baby born and thrown into the ocean of humanity. Um, he had a plan. God had a plan for him. Jeremiah chapter 29 says, this is my translation, but it's pretty accurate. God says, I have plans of hope-filled prosperity for you. I have plans of hope-filled prosperity for you. He was speaking to Samson. Now, Samson lived hundreds of years earlier, but he's also speaking to me and you. Whether we believe it or not, own it or not, like it or not, God created you very carefully, very intentionally, very specifically, 
And he created you with a purpose and a plan. I don't know how that makes you feel, but it's the truth. Isaiah 43 verse 7 says, God says, those that I formed and made, I created for my glory. And those of you that come to church here regularly, then you know that word glory isn't a light show. It's not, it, it can have to do with light, but very rarely. The word glory is almost always, 90% of the time, 95% of the time. It has to do with weight. It's, it's a farming word. And it has to do with a farmer would take the kernels of grain that he harvested in the field and he would run over them with a wagon or with an ox or with a something and he would break them up, crunch them all up and then he would take a fork, a big pitching fork and he would throw it up in the air and the husk or the chaff would blow away the light fluffy, worthless stuff would blow away and the meat, that which was going to be ground up into flour to make bread, would fall back to the ground. The weighty part, the part that had purpose, that mattered, that, that was useful, that would fall back down to the ground and that's what the farmer would make bread with to feed his family. So when the, word, when the Bible uses the word glory, it's really talking about when God says, I made you for my glory. I made you intent, uh, uh, specifically to have significance, to have weight, to, to have impact. God created us to have purpose. And what that, let me just go on and tell you the end of the story on that. What that means, if that's true, and I believe it with all my heart, that means that you and I will never. Some of us, some of you are trying so hard, and I'll give you an A, I'll give you an E for effort. But you'll you'll never accomplish it. Some of us are trying as hard as we can to fritter our lives away on things that don't matter. That 10 years from now, 30 years from now, 100 years from now. 500 years from now, nobody will care about. God created us in such a way that we will never be happy, never be content, never be satisfied unless we live lives that matter, that have impact, that leave the world a better place. We will never be content with shallow petty, selfish, fleeting things. You want to read that quote you and I were talking about? Oh, yeah. This is in honor of Jerry Bowden. Jerry was, and I were having dinner the other night, and just out of the, was it at the dinner table, or did you text to me earlier? At the table. At the dinner table, he just whips out this great quote, and I said, dude, and I said, that'll fit perfect for Sunday. So, so I said, thank you, Jerry. Anyway, yeah. Okay, this was said in the paper, I think, <clears throat> or... Correct me if I'm wrong. About the death of um, Larry Papasan. He was the head of the Memphis Light, Gas, and Water for and years. And a philanthropist and all. Yeah. His mantra was, quote, Happiness comes from being useful to God, family, and other human beings. And the way to increase our happiness is to increase our usefulness to others. Now you think, and I don't know where, 
anything about that dude. I don't know him from Adam's house, house cat. But did you hear what he said? We were created for the purpose of being useful in the lives of our families and in the lives of others. And there is a link, there's a correlation, there's a connection between, I want to be happier. Well then get more useful. Get more useful. The more useful I am, the more happiness, true, lasting happiness. That's what I'm saying. God created us for glory. That's exactly, that dude, I don't know if he's a believer or not, but he is saying God created us for glory, to live lives of usefulness, lives that have impact, that matter. We were not created to be nice. Oh, he's a nice man. Good for you. Does he smell too? No, who cares? Who cares if he's nice? We weren't created to be good. We're, we were created to be great. There's a poem that I teach um, called To Be of Use. And this is just one stanza of it. She talks about how she, the people she loves best are the ones that jump into work. She says, I love people who harness themselves, an ox to a heavy cart, who pull like water buffalo with massive patience, who strain in the mud and muck to move things forward, who do what has to be done again and again. Isn't that good? Yeah, that's, 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 I'll have to think about that for a while. And that's there's really more of great. it where that came from. That's really great. Mm-hmm. Again, she gets it. She gets it. We weren't created to be husk. We were created to be meat. We were created to be broken. And in our brokenness, we feed people. We nourish people. Not, we're not blown away. If, if at the end of the day, the biggest thing that I do is have a great golf score, or I'm the best snow skier in the world, or I've got the biggest house in town, or whatever it is, whatever it is, do we, do we see this? I love that. I love the way that God starts... The book of Psalms off. Most important, in my opinion, probably, well, I, I'll just say it's a very important book in the Bible. <laughs> I better leave it alone. He starts the book of Psalms off by saying this. God created you and me to be a tree. We were created to be a tree. Why a tree? Well, I just listed some things. Because trees are beautiful. Especially this time of year. We walk every day in the afternoon and we both still are marveling over the beauty of these trees. They add beauty. They add oxygen. They bear fruit. They create shade and shelter. You can create, they create lumber. They stop erosion. And the list goes on and on and on. We were created to be trees, not weeds. Do we get that? Samson was created by God with a very specific purpose. God created you for a very specific purpose. 
I don't know what that purpose is. Some of you I do, but not most, not all of you. But I can tell you this. The purpose has to do with leaving the world better. Different and better. Not just, I died with the most toys. Bully for you. Second thing that jumped out at me about the life of Samson was, and you got to put on your thinking cap and probably go home and ponder this one for a while. This won't sit well with some of you, and that's okay. It doesn't sit well with me, to be honest with you. But it's still what the Bible says. And that's this. God's plans, if you read the life of Samson, God's plans for Samson were accomplished. You think about that. He died accomplishing the plans that God had for him. Did he like it? Was he committed to it? Was he enjoying it? Was the accomplishment of God's plans through the life of Samson, did it give God the glory that it could have? No. He did it as bass hackers as he could have. But God's plans were accomplished. Even, and I, to my shame and my rejoicing, God accomplishes His plans in the lives of hardheads just like the pliable. Good for me, right? No comment. <laughs> Romans 11 says that the callings and the gifts of God are irrevocable. The callings and the gifts of God, that which He pours into your life. When you were created, He poured into your life certain gifts and callings. No one can revoke those. They are irrevocable. Isaiah 14 says that God has purposed. Who can stop Him? His hand reaches out. Who can turn it back? Isaiah 46 says... Only I can tell you the future in advance. For my plans will be done. For I do what I want. So the person that says, God, come, take me, use me. I'm yours. And the one that shakes his fist and says, God, I won't. You think he, which one of those is a bigger challenge for God? Which one of those, whoo, this one's going to be an easy project and this one's going to be really difficult for me. No. Job says in Job 23, God will do in my life whatever He has planned for He controls my destiny. It would be easier for me to stop the waves from crashing against the beach or to stop the rotation of the earth than for me to thwart God's plans in my life. Paul says it this way, in palaces... 
you find items of gold and silver, but also wood and clay. Some of these things are for noble use, and some are for common use. Those who sanctify themselves will be instruments for God's special use. God's going to accomplish His plans in our lives. The choice is, will I be a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor? Those of you that have read the story of Samson, please don't miss the significance of what he grabbed to use in his battles. The jawbone of an ass. You think that was by accident that God put that in there? Samson could have been a sword. He could have been a scepter. But God can use the jawbone of an ass just like he can a scepter. That's the choice. Not as God can have his way in my life and accomplish his purposes. He will do it. But am I going to be a, a, a tool, a vessel, an instrument that God accomplishes His purposes in and through joyfully and that points people to God when they watch me yield to Him and trust Him and follow Him? Or am I going to be an instrument that God accomplishes His purposes through? But they go, the God of that person must not be very great because that guy doesn't love him. It's the difference in Pharaoh and Moses. Who was an instrument used by God? Pharaoh or Moses? Both! Who was an instrument of, that was used by God? Saul or David? Both! But do you want to are you drawn to the God of Pharaoh? Are you drawn to the God of Saul? Or are you drawn to the God of Moses and of David? Then lastly, so the choice that Samson faced is the same choice that you and I face. Am I going to be a mule? Or am I going to be a sheep? I don't like your translation uh, of Psalm 32. Just so you know. You I know didn't you know, bought me this. Pie. I know I did and I regret that. But anyway, <laughs> nothing I can do about that. Uh, what it really says in Psalm 32 is this. I will instruct you and teach you and I will guide you in the way you should go with my loving eye. Mm. Do you know how close you have to be to somebody? There's not a person in this room, speaking of mamas, not a person in this room that had a mama that didn't understand what it means to be guided <laughs> by an eye. <laughs> Your mom could communicate very clearly to you many things with her eyes. 
Do you know that's the way God wants to guide us? Now, the next verse says, So don't be like a mule who has no discernment and must be controlled by the bit and bridle. So God can guide us with His eyes if we're close. If we're so close to Him and so intimate with Him that we can see where He's looking. We can see the warning. We can see the displeasure. We can see the joy. We can see the direction. But you got to be close. You got to be attentive. You got to know the one that you're looking into his face. Or, by goodness, we can be a mule and be, put the bit in his mouth and just drag him along. And his feet are just sticking out. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And the farmer says, No, 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 you will. You will. But are you enjoying the journey? Do you enjoy our relationship? Me, Mr. Mule, and I'm the farmer. Are we, are we close? Are we buds? Are we enjoying this journey together? No. No. Solomon says in Proverbs 3, Don't despise the Lord's discipline. For the Lord disciplines those that He loves like a loving father. Blessed are people who find wisdom. For they are more profitable than silver, gold, and rubies. And they experience long life, riches, and honor. The ways of wisdom are pleasurable. And they're full of peace. I ran through, I, I created a list of qualities from the life of Samson that, and it's crazy shameful how many of them are true in my life. He was rash. He continually ignored the big picture. He was driven by a passion for immediate gratification. Never once do you see him saying thank you to anybody, including God. He was led by his eyes. He wouldn't listen to anyone's advice. He ignored the rules and boundaries. Yeah, he just, like all of us, I think, just love to get as close to the thing as possible. And I guess that's just our own worship of self. Like, right, I'm so strong that I can, whatever it is, get as close to it as possible. Like a little kid throwing dirt clods. And his mother says, don't, don't throw dirt clods at your friends. And he picks up one more tiny speck of a dirt clod and goes. I did, but I didn't hit him, Mom. I didn't hit I just, you. It whizzed by his ear, but I didn't hit him. That's so like what we are. Yeah. Just, just in Samson with, with Delilah, he first told her a lie, then he told her less of a lie, and then he trying to find out what his strength was. And then he told her almost touched at the truth, but not quite. I just find that so yes. terribly human. He was very impressed with his own cleverness. He used anger as a tool to get his way. He was a person that held grudges. He never learned from his mistakes. He took foolish risk. 
he struggled greatly with being transparent and intimate. He had no spiritual community. He had no spiritual life. You only see Samson pray two times in the entire in his whole life. One time he prayed and said, God, you sure are unfaithful. I need a drink and you're not even going to give me one, are you? And the other time he prayed, he said, God, give me the ability to destroy my enemies. Only two times he prays. God, you're crummy and let me destroy my, the people that have hurt my feelings and hurt my life. I see myself in so many of those attributes. Isaiah 37 says, Because of your rage and insolence, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will make you return the way that you came. Do you see the contrast of that plan in Psalm 32, 8, I'll guide you with my eye. Or, I didn't even ask Brenda to read Psalm, 32, uh, Psalm 23, but what a beautiful connection. Let me lead you into this great life and the great fulfillment of all these reasons that I created you. Or I can drag you along. Do you want to be a sheep? who follows this great shepherd? Or do you want to display to the world, I serve a tyrant, a dictator, a bully, and he makes me do this. Last picture, last picture you see of Samson is exactly the same picture that you see of Adam. Banished, enslaved, given the opportunity to rule, but instead lives the life of a slave. I just want us to think about the areas of our lives where, where we are a lot like Samson. My Bible tells me that one day a king took on the role of a slave so that he could make a bunch of slaves or give a bunch of slaves the opportunity to be kings. He laid aside his royal royalness royalty and took on the form of a slave so that he could offer royalty to those that were slaves. He doesn't want us to live the life of Samson. He wants us to live the life of David. Yes, we're broken. Yes, we make mistakes. Yes, we mess up. But David followed God joyfully he saw God as his shepherd and he lived the life of royalty and we're still enjoying the impact that David had on the world David didn't, nobody would say David's life was a life of chaff
Anything you want to add, Brand? No. That one about the boundaries is a big one that really spoke to me. How my wife, it, she's always lived in front of me. This, she sees where the boundaries are and she stays way away from them. The speed limit is whatever. She stays as close to that as she can. I'm trying to get this. That's the one place that yeah. I fail all the time. No, you don't. No, you do good on all this. Not the one I want to get many. as far away from the boundary but not get a ticket. How fast can I go and not get a ticket? I, I'm always pushing the boundaries rather than seeing the boundaries as a gift from God. And, and all those other ones that we looked at. I don't want to be a Samson. I don't want to be a, I want to be a David. I want that for me. I want that for you. I want that for y'all. Okay. We're going to take the Lord's Supper. you belong to the Lord Jesus and it is your desire to declare to others and remind yourself that Jesus gave his body and shed his blood to atone for our sins and to give us a new life adoption into his family and the hope of a great future that's your belief, your hope, your desire. I invite you to come. Come to the table of mercy. Receive fresh grace from His nail-pierced hands. Eat from the bread of salvation and drink from the blood of the Lamb. You come.